Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. What a mighty God we serve. You can be seated. Um, let me start off uh, today saying thank all of you who fasted and prayed for five days. I believe God touched us and he met us. And whatever God gave you, I want you to hold on to it. A lot of you were activated. You're not taking a step backwards now. I want you to be released to walk into people's lives and, and to create an atmosphere where not only Jesus is welcome, people are welcome to get their freedom. Um, they don't have to wait to a pastor touch them. You who are sitting in the audience, you have the equipment that you need to bring breakthrough in people's lives. Um, number two, um, there's something very special that uh, we believe that we need in our church over the last several years. Um, you know, there are just a, a, some new people, so some, some old people, but this August, I think, will be our 40th year anniversary as a church. And uh, praise God. And so we want to do some things this year that help you know what your DNA is, where you came from. So watch this video, and it's going to help you be reminded. When we say yes to the Lord and we take the positions that he asked us to take, there is a blessing that accompanies that. That's not just a benefit to you as an individual, but it's a benefit to everyone that you're going to impact or steward their life or be in relationship with. We were having a lead pastors meeting and we were all talking about what needs to happen next. We were thinking about our unity, talking about our unity, and somebody had the idea, let's have a conference a Bethel conference, a Bethel One conference. Maybe life is hitting you hard right now. Maybe you've just come out of addiction. Maybe you just got through a divorce. And you're probably thinking to yourself, how in the world can God use me? Look what I've done. Look what I've been through. This is why I want to invite you to this conference. You're going to discover God wants to use you. No matter what the pain of your past is, no matter what regrets you may be carrying right now, He still wants to use you and He wants to use you in a great way. So whether you're a new believer or someone who's been walking with God for a long time, this conference is going to strengthen your faith and bring you together with people who can help sharpen you so that you can fulfill God's calling on your life. Come expecting, come believing that God you will have a touch from God that will be life-changing forever. Because we're one family, we're one people, we're one mission. Join us here at Bethel Brentwood on March 1st and 2nd alongside our community churches to experience the power of one. Incredible worship experience is going to be Preaching, one of our main guest speakers is a, is a global leader. leader. He's a giga leader. Once you hear his name, you're not going to want to miss. I want you to go ahead and sign up. So put my QR code up there. We're going to get you squared away right away. Go ahead and everyone take out your phones. 
and just put your camera over that right there so you have the information. Go ahead, everybody just pick it out because you will have the information and you'll know what to do. No, no, why you take it out? Let them, you've got to give them a moment. Take out your phone. Hope you took your phone out already. You got you just obedient, I love it. Good. Third announcement, leave it up there for the people who just need a second. Third announcement is, start, say starting February, the first Sunday in February, there will be new service times. Yeah, 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 keep, yeah, yeah, okay. The early service time is 8.30, say 8.30. 8.30 people happy. I'm just telling you already. They was, they was up since 5 or 6. They've been wait, they be waiting till 9 to go to church. They happy. The second time is 10. 10. So you can just, you know, you can come to church and then you go to lunch. Church and lunch. Church and lunch. All right. Come on, give God praise for that. So when does that start? First Sunday in February. Don't come here next Sunday at 10 and say, what happened? You didn't listen to the announcement. All right, here we go. Um, one of the difficult things in life is when you interact with somebody who appears to be mature, but they act immature. When you come to a grown person and you're expecting grown interaction, grown responses, and you get immature responses, you want to say stuff. Sometimes it comes out of your mouth, and sometimes you just say it in your head. I wish they would just, I wish they would just act your age. Stop acting like a child. Because it's frustrating to interact with somebody that you think has the maturity level that you have, and they don't. When somebody looks like they're one thing, and they, but they act a different way, you feel betrayed. You feel lied to and you feel deceived because they presented something that they were not. Peter, in the text that we're going to deal with today, is dealing with a bunch of Christians who he's trying to help have authenticity and assurance. What happens to believers a lot of times, they become Christians. They actually have an altar experience or come to the front of the room experience and encounter with Jesus, but they don't have practices consistent with the faith, and all of a sudden, they don't look like who they are. They don't look like their title. They don't look like that because they didn't maintain a lifestyle that gives them confidence that they're actually born again. And if you don't consistently live a certain type of spiritual life, you will eventually feel like you're unsaved. Now, I don't know about you, but I spent a great deal of my life after being born again tormented because I was just like, I can't go to sleep thus I repent, you know, because I knew I did a lot of sins and I didn't want to, you know, go to, go to sleep, die in my sleep, and then I hadn't repented from my sins and then go to hell. But that was an off understanding of salvation. But because I didn't grow 
and I hadn't matured and I hadn't actually hadn't interacted with enough of the word of God to know what it means to truly be saved. I did not walk away with the benefits of salvation, which a mature believer would have, which is called assurance. And so everything within this text is designed to help you get assurance, but it will actually give you a pattern of living differently that actually allows you to maintain that. Because when you lose assurance, you invite torment into your life. And how many people love a little torment? Yeah, I don't either. So this is help you get out of it. Let's go to Second Peter uh, verse 1. We'll read the first and second verse, teach a little and read, read some more. All right, have it. You know the rule about how to read. Ready? Read. Now let's just stop here. And realize a couple of things. Number one, I think it's really fantastic that somebody like Peter would put us on equal footing with him. This is a guy who the Gospels, other than Jesus, speaks about most. The other person that's named is called most, who Jesus calls their name most, I would say was Jesus' best friend. He was one of the 12 apostles who was an eyewitness to Jesus' life. How can we be on equal footing with him? Because the salvation that Jesus Christ offers is so great that it, it is offered at the same measure to everyone. Then the same benefits that Peter gets as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ is the same benefits I get, the same benefits that those people he wrote to get, the same benefits that you get. We're on equal playing field when we, when we call on Jesus. And what happens is the mercy we received turned into grace received. So mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. We were born in sin. We were shaping iniquity. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. For if the wages of sin is death, that means we are eternally separated from God. And there's nothing we can do about it. Mercy steps in and says, no, God offers you a newness of life through his laying down his life and making a sacrifice for you. You say, yes, you don't get what you do deserve. And then he does something else. He starts giving you he gives you what you don't deserve. That's grace. He gives you life. He gives it more abundantly. He gives you favor. He gives you breakthrough. He gives you a new hope. He gives you, gives you a great outlook. He gives you a plan and a future for your life. This is all the great things he gets. And he begins to multiply that grace with him and multiply it with man. And then he gives you a peace that makes you whole. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. See, this is amazing. But the grace... And the peace is multiplied based on what you know about him. To know means to know firsthand, to be in an experience, an encounter. So this begs the question, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus or do you have a casual relationship with Jesus or do you have a sometime relationship with Jesus or did you just have a moment with Jesus and you kind of live your own life? See, if you just have a moment with Jesus, you don't have multiplied grace. And even though you may have legitimately called Jesus Lord, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Uh, with the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You may have done all of that work only to find out that you have no confidence that you're really saved, even though you really got saved. Because you're too far from relationship. I'm going to tell you the truth. 
If you say you love somebody and you want to be with somebody and you don't spend time with them, is that person going to have a problem with that? Because whoever you love, roommates, spouses, close friends, you call. That's why our mothers and fathers get mad at us when we call home. Don't you love me? So what is your relationship like? A lot of people tell me their relationship like with, with God is good, but if, when I inspect their devotional life, it is not. They have a relationship with things more than him. So you could, what's, what's, what's that called on your phone that you can check how long you've been on it? What's that called? See, I knew that. I just wanted to make you say it. Screen time. What's your screen sign say? And then just in case you say, I'll be on my Bible app. You know, they break it down. Just, I know they break it down. Because I tried that once. Like, oh, I'm, I know I'll be reading the Bible. And then it's like, ooh, Bible time was like the most minimal. And I'm not saying you're looking at anything bad or doing anything bad. But you, you could be swallowed up with all of these other things. And then say, my relationship with God is strong, but it's really anemic. It's really anemic. And, and, and when it comes to encountering a challenge, you, you, you lean into you. You lean into the healthcare system. You lean into the government system. You lean into every other system, but into your relationship because you haven't been relating. Knowing him is an experiential thing. You have to know him. And in knowing him, you don't just get grace once, you get it multiplied. You don't just get peace once, you get it multiplied. Can you imagine if grace was multiplying in your life every day of your life? How much grace you would have? That grace translates into favor. Favor translates into getting what you need, when you need, how you need it. And favor ain't fair. Don't you want that kind of favor on your life? You can produce it through intimacy with him. That's why it's the biggest trick of the enemy to get you out of relationship and into you. Everybody's saying they're lonely. They don't have friends and they don't have relationships. One of the reasons we don't have relationships with others that are functional is because we don't have a relationship with him that is functional. And that's something that we need to correct. Verse 3. Ready, read. Now, he's saying, not only are we in relationship, I'm strong. The relationship you have with him, you're the person who is weak. He is the person who is strong. You're the person who's anemic. He's the person that is full of life. He is basically saying to you that I have the ability to take your lifeless situation and take the life that I have and put it on you. I'm in a powerful position, even if you're in a weak position. And if we're yoked together in relationship and we're okay here, here like this. He said his divine power, his divine nature, that same nature has allowed you to be born again. We're, we're not born again of 
by corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God. He, you, you've been not, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. You have God's essence. You have the earnestness of the spirit or the guarantee or the down payment or the smearing of the spirit. God is saying, I'm going to invest me in you so that me and you are inseparable. So when you are ignoring your relationship, you're not just ignoring him, you're ignoring the essence of you. You can't find you without him. I'm going to say it again. You cannot find you without him. So people, I'm confused. I'm lost. Well, you may have lost him. He makes himself the center point and the target so that when you're hitting him, you're hitting everything you need. So people say, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. Get in relationship with who? With Jesus. Get in relationship with you. His divine power has the power. So when you have a bondage in your life, his divine power is supposed to break you free. Yes, you can get the self-help books. Yes, you can get accountability partners. But if you don't have first the opportunity to go to your knees and say, Jesus, I have a devil after me and he can get that devil off of you. I have a chain binding me. He can get that. I have an infirmity in me. I have a pain in me. I have a weakness in me. When you give him all of that stuff in your relationship, he allows grace to abound. And the Bible said where sin abound, his grace does much more abound. So you need to know that by knowledge because if you don't know that experientially by him, he can be extending you grace and you can be rejecting the grace. How do you reject the grace? By not showing up to be in relationship. That's why the first thing is to know. The first step in everything in, in our life and the first step in the programs of the church is to know God. We can't help you if you don't want to know him. We can't help you if you don't want to know him. He said, by which we've been granted to us great and precious promises so that through them we might be partakers in the divine nature. How do you get more of God's nature in you? It's by partaking in the word that's connected to a promise getting down on into you. The Bible says, oh, yeah, yeah, you write this scripture down. This, I think this is John 6, 63. He said, the words I speak, they are spirit and life. So when God speaks, or when you speak that logos, it's a spirit, it's spirit, and it goes down into your spirit, it readjusts you, recalibrates you, so that when you interact with challenges, you begin to speak the word, and that relationship you have with God comes out. Let's see what it looks like. I, I listed about seven, eight scriptures that have promises in them, and I'm going to show you how it works, because you have these promises. Maybe you can get excited on some of these. You know, when you get excited, the Bible said all of the promises are yes, just so you know. And we add the amen, which is we agree. So every promise you see in the Bible, God saying that's yes, that's for you. And then you're supposed to say amen, I agree with it. So when you hear the promise, you should be like, amen, amen. Okay? Praise God. Okay, let's read that first promise. Read. That means when you believe, you don't have to go to hell. When you believe, you get eternal life. When you believe, you're delivered from darkness. When you believe, you get life eternal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's a good promise. Give me another promise. Read. So look, this is what this is like. 
in my relationship with Jesus, sometimes I get confused about which way is up and which way I should be going and which path I'm supposed to take. The Bible said, don't worry, just trust in him. Don't lean to your own understanding and what you figured out about life. All you really got to do is acknowledge him. I acknowledge him. All you got to do is acknowledge him. It didn't say you had to get a prophecy from him. Didn't say you had to make a deal, live right, talk right, act right. You have to know. All you got to do is acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. He'll make what's confusing clear. He'll clear out the rubble so you can walk. A good man steps therefore are ordered by the Lord. Hey, and though he fall, he's not utterly cast down for the Lord shall uphold him with his righteous right hand. This is a promise. So you never have to be confused. You never have to be directionless. All you have to do is acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Oh, I got to get off of this one because I'm, I'm about to acknowledge him and I'm about to walk off. This. No, I'm... Read. <laughs> I've had some friends that left me. I had some people that left me behind. I have been in a fist fight with a lot of people and them people watched me fighting for my life. But I want the type of relationship that when I'm down, I'm not out because I got a friend that sticks closer than a brother that's right there with me. He's saying, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. He's my true rod or die. He's got my back, my front, my head, my feet, and nowhere I go, he's not with me at all times. Why should I be afraid of the terror by day or the air that flies by night? Why should I be afraid of what I can't see, what I can't see? If God be for me, who in this world can be against me? I don't know anybody who can stop him oh glory to God give me another promise give me another promise read no 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 start at the 33rd verse read all I've got to do in my relationship of knowing him is put him first and everything else I need, food, clothes, shelter, spouse, breakthrough will be added. See, I've got a list of things I need. I need help paying for schools. I need help paying bills. I need help from God. And all he told me I had to do was show up and put him first. So I put him first in my time. I put him first in my talent. I put him first in my treasure. I put him first when I have conflict. I put him first when I have a good day. I put him first when I'm confused. All I got to do is put him first and everything I need will be poured out for me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It will be poured out. Give me another one. Read. Now, this world don't offer no peace. You can't buy that in no store. 
no matter how many weapons we have, we still don't have peace. We'd always got, have to be afraid. But he gave peace. And if God, he said, peace I give you. When God gives you peace, no one can take it. Now you can forfeit it, but no one can take it. Because when it's a promise, that means it's settled, it's fixed, it's immovable. And it can't. So the reason that we don't look like strong, mature believers is because we don't know him. Because knowing is growing. When you know him, you grow. When you know him, you built up. When you know him, you have power and you have confidence and you escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Bible says lust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So here's the definition of love. Yes, sexual perversion is associated with lust, but sin enters the world through lust. But look, look, check this definition this way. Lust means to superimpose your will over the will of God. That means when he gives you a promise, you put something in front of that promise that obscures your view and you start desiring someone else in relationship other than him. I challenge you to know him, to really walk with him. This year, walk with him for real. Feel crazy. Do something more than now laying me down to sleep. Pray the Lord so to keep. Just go, go beyond that. This year, you're going to go beyond that. I got to get to that next point. Verse 5. For it starts out, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. To make every effort, I just, I, just, I, I think I gave you a definition of this effort word. I want you to get it. Uh, you see that in my notes? To haste, be diligent, speed, hasten, diligence, earnestness, enthusiasm, move quickly, swift, full effort by making haste. Don't you get it? It's, this is an intensity word. This is not like you, you need to be aggressive about growing. Aggressive about the things of God. You need to be quick. When you hear an announcement, are oh, we signing up for the, for the conference? And, 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 and you don't move. The conference is to equip you to do the work of ministry. You don't move. Sign up to us, we don't move. Sign up for the outreach, you don't move. In fact, you don't sign up for nothing. Except something you want personally. You move you. Not your relationship. And the worst thing in a personal relationship is a selfish person. Selfish person. Now he's saying be swift to add to your faith. Add to your faith what? Let's read the scripture. Put the scripture up there. Here are the things you should add to your faith. This is how, this is so, if knowing is growing, this is what growing looks like. Make every effort to supplement your faith. Add to your faith virtue. This is moral goodness. Got to live right. Let's just say truthful stuff right now. 
When you're out of relationship, it feels tough to live right. It's tough not to scroll to the wrong thing when you ain't in a relationship. When your relationship don't, don't dominate, it's, 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 it's tough. Your eye game is tough. Your feet go to the wrong thing. You go to the wrong places. When you, you're not morally good, you just, you just start out with a sip, turns into a gulp, turns into a few extra cups, move from a buzz to gypsy to lit. And the thing is, when you don't have virtue, when you don't have moral goodness, you know how it is. Like we, we, we just being honest in church today. You know how it is when you, when you do a little sin, and it's small. But then you say, oh, man, I already messed up. Man, I will go all the way, taking a month off of my walk. <laughs> this is a month off right there. That's a month. One sin, you're taking a month off. And you think about it, and then sometime if it, if it go wrong at the end of that month, you say, we're going to extend it. <laughs> Losing my identity. Because you got to add to your faith. Your faith has to be active. It has to be alive. It has to be word-based. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. You need to be in Wednesday night to hear the word. Life group to hear the word. BLI, BSD, activate to hear the word. Conferences to hear the word. Divine podcast to hear the word. You need to look at your social media feed and see if it's feeding you or killing you. Faith comes back hearing the word. Add to your faith some virtue, some moral goodness. What else? What else we got to add? Come on, come on. Where was that scripture at? He said knowledge. We just went over that. What else? Knowledge, self-control. Control yourself. I mean, it's right there. Control yourself. This will help all of us. Somebody said, you losing weight. It's called the hardest thing in my life to do. Stop eating. Portion control. And then, you know, when I do good, I got a real bad habit. When I do good, it's reward myself with gorging. I mean, I gorge. I'm going all out. Fast is over. The only reason I ain't gorge after this fast is because I could get no more in. That's it. I, to be in relationship, I got to hear Jesus saying, you know, come on, brother, watch your self-control. Watch your self-control. What you want to do, Jesus? Drink water. Drink water. Just go drink some water right now. Just drink water. That's, that's my, my solution. Because if water will fill you up, and it's, it, it, it is a solution. All right, next one, next one. Come on, come on, come on. Self-control. Steadfastness. Stay in the game. Don't take nothing to get out the game nowadays. Anybody can offend you. Oh, 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 oh that, that person was just worshiping too hard. I'm not going for a month. Uh, that's a month. That cost them a month. That cost my church a month. Why we need a cafe? I ain't giving for a year. I mean, it just, it just gets silly. This is the next one. Godliness. This is your piety, your devotion, you, you have to be adding to that. This is your, your, your spiritual formations, your disciplines. Don't think, you know, you are a disciple. If you're, if you're undiscipled, it's not going to help you. Are you disciplined? Then brotherly affection. And love, I love something the king said, I wrote it down. His birthday is 
We're going to celebrate his birthday tomorrow. I've decided to stick to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. You know how you really hate people, but you're, not, you're afraid to say you hate them, but everything in you really hate them? Yeah, it's a real thing. But hate is a burden. Because you always got to remember what you're mad at. Yeah, you don't supposed to be mad at you. I don't know what else you mad you. You wake up, God bless you with a new mercy, and you're happy for that new mercy, but you got to remember all the people you're mad at. No, oh, but I'm supposed to be mad. <laughs> Shake that happiness off me. <laughs> you're defeating your relationship with God. I mean, and then look, brother, brotherly love, you need a brother. Everybody needs a church best friend. I don't have no friends, Pastor. I don't have no friends. You in the room with thousands of people every week. You don't have no friends. The Bible says, he that have a friend must. He that have a friend must. You have to step into somebody else's life and give them the love you want. Not wait on somebody to love you. I'm waiting on people in this church to love me. They walk right past me. They don't like me. Nobody spoke to me when I came in. Nobody spoke to me when I left. I knew they didn't love me. Well, who did you love? Your unloving people. Your good unloving. You know what I'm saying? It's just get silly. You need to love somebody. Love them with all your heart. The Bible said love your neighbor like yourself. Check on the needs of your brother. How you doing? Need anything? And then be ready to at least, hey, I don't have nothing, but I can give you lunch. Because maybe they say they need something you don't have. Then he said, love like God loves. When you have these things in you, and the scripture goes on and says, and these things are increasing, they make sure that you are not ineffective and unfruitful uh, in, the, in the knowledge of the Lord or in your relationship. That you're growing in your relationship. So knowing is growing, and growing is building your relationship. And so, put that scripture back. If you have these things in you and increasing, you won't be uh, worthless. That's what that word means, ineffective. Lazy. Another version, the the most obscure version, said dead. Don't get nervous. I ain't going to step off. I I saw your eyes. It's all right. Dead, unfruitful. You are on this planet, and I'm on this planet to be fruitful. Is there any fruit in your life? Don't play games with yourself. Evaluate your tree. Is it barren? Then maybe you don't have these things in your life increasing. But he said if you lack these things, so you can either increase and you'll be fruitful. Increase and you'll be effective. Increase and you will grow and build. But if you don't, he said, whoever doesn't have these qualities is nearsighted, blind, forgetting that he was once cleansed from his former sins. What does that mean? It means the basis of your faith, which is salvation through Christ and Christ alone, is the primary thing you should be reminded of and it's so far from you, you have no assurance, you have no knowledge and intimacy, you have no growth, and you have basically nothing but religious activities of doing things out of habit versus relationship. 
I don't want to be that. I know exactly when my prayer life became happy. Even when I was praying, praying in tongues, it's just mindless. No relationship. You can give your wife flowers and throw them at her. Hey, baby, take them. Ain't no relationship. Relating is getting the flowers she likes, bringing it in a presentation that would be a blessing, and presenting it. Relationship. Hard to have a good relationship with other people if you don't have one with God. You need a church friend that can help you do that. If you don't have a church friend, you need to step in somebody's life. Step into somebody's life. Let's get to these last verses. I think I'm on verse 10. 10. Read. No, 10. Read. If all of this is at risk, if all this is risk, you got to take this more seriously and be diligent, disciplined, Confirm your calling in election. All are called, few are chosen. Election is about being chosen. Everybody called. Not everybody's chosen. Who is chosen? Who responds? You don't respond, you're not chosen. You're just called. The gospel is for everyone. But you have to say yes to it. And maybe you say yes, but you put my scripture back. But you remain unfaithful. These, the unfaithfulness is in the word practice. So you didn't practice virtue. You didn't practice knowledge. You didn't practice adding to your faith. You didn't practice these things. So now you don't have assurance. Now you come and every day you're afraid that you could go to hell. So you come to church out of habit and fear versus relationship. You come like a, like a little spiritual, like, like tonic. Like, if I come to church, I'll probably have a good week. But it's not based on relationship. It's not based on knowing so you can grow and, and growing so you can build relationship. It's just based on stuff. Just nothing. He said, if you practice these qualities, say these words. At the end of this verse, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That's, that's, that sounds too unrealistic. You think he's lying? The devil told you everybody falls and everybody has to fall. God just said, if you work these qualities, you'll never fall. So if we're falling, we're failing to work the qualities and increase there. That's all it is. And then he says this, for in this way, you will be richly provided for if you're in the entrance into the eternal kingdom. In other words, he's saying, man, you get this right. God not just going to give you eternal life. He's going to give you riches in the next one. You know why? Because you would have lived a purpose-filled life. You would have fulfilled your purpose Life will stop being about you. You know, if life is about you too long, you'll get sick. You're not designed to think about you all the time. You are not designed to think about you all the time. Stand to your feet. Ministry team, come down. 
I have some extremely practical help for you. I like every man to raise his hand. Every man, and please keep it up. Do not let it down until I tell you. I have been assigned to help you. I have been assigned to equip you, get you over the hump. As you go, goes your household, goes our community, goes our church. If you're stuck, we'll stay stuck. If you're free, your house will be free. If you don't know who you are and where you're going and what's up, we messed up. So I have to call you to an equipping moment. I'm asking you this Wednesday at 7 a.m. to meet me in the Global Cafe. I'll have some coffee and I need an hour of your life. And I will get you deliberately onto your next step in your faith. I will get you deliberately on to your next step in your faith. You cannot, you can't fail to show up. Yes, we have a B-Men's ministry and you need to come to the first Saturday breakfast, but this is a special meeting with me. We need to have an eye-to-eye conversation that's about how you know God, how you grow in Him. And my third, third point, and, and then build, and it has a reward. I need you to meet me 7 a.m. on Wednesday. That's your altar call. Put your hand down. If you feel like you've fallen out of a relationship with Jesus for whatever reason, or you're not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus, this service was designed for you. If you feel like you're not growing in God, something's just out of order. It's okay. This service was designed for you. There are people down here ready to pray for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and dismiss the service. And at the dismissal, I invite you to just come on down and, and, and receive prayer. If you're new to Bethel, I'd love to meet you over there where there is no signs. And uh, that's the wall, where the wall and prayer thing is. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I will be, I will be with Pastor Bryson in our Midtown Outreach tonight at 6. The address is up on the screen. The reason I want you to come there is because that's all about going to reach people in that area. So if you don't know how to do it, we'll be talking about that. God, I ask you to bless your people. Those that need to come to be in a relationship with you, let them come. Those that have been struggling, help them. Don't let anybody leave here not taking advantage of being in a relationship with you. God, we bless you. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Any prayer needs whatsoever, come on down. Give God praise.